It's Monday the 15th of July 2019. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by Meryl Kaplan, a teacher of folklore and Old Icelandic at Ohio State University, and by Ruv broadcast journalist Olaf Ragnarsdottir. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Now, there's still no sign of the summer silly season in the news, uh, plenty going on, and there are several reasons for that, including the major E. coli outbreak that has made a lot of children sick. Um, there's been a fierce backlash in the Philippines to the Icelandic-inspired United Nations call for a human rights abuses assessment in that country. The naming and gender registration law changed, and the first person to take advantage of it was a straight cisgender farmer. Over three months since the fall of Wauer, there are now two different groups struggling to bring it back to life again. People were talking a lot about the uninvited and expensive asphalt cowboys this week. Um, and the whole of Icelandic studies is finally going to turn into the house of Icelandic studies, hopefully. And finally, the Icelandic-US relations have seldom been stronger, thanks to several high-profile visitors, a new ambassador and a new uh, embassy being built. Is it a coincidence or is there more to it? That's the question. So uh, where should we begin? Oh, is it up to me? Yeah. Uh, the thing, this is not surprising uh, to anyone who's recognised my name, um, I'm so excited about the House of Icelandic Studies mm. uh, finally getting uh, 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 some work done on it, and I'm. Uh, it's about time. It's about time. And I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm sick of explaining that hole in the ground to passing tourists, uh, <laughs> and it's so overdue that uh, there be better uh, housing for not just the manuscripts but the people who study them. Yeah. Why is it so overdue? Do we know? Why it's taken so long? Mm. Uh, I think some of it has to do with the crash, um, but I think there may have been a lack of will at several points, and that's uh, upsetting to people in the field, certainly. Mm. Yeah. What's the new house for? Is it going to is it bringing existing studies together, or is it going to open up a whole new field in some way? It's. Uh uh, I'm not quite sure, but I think it's more of a kind of strengthening and bringing yeah, together the existing and also to preserve some, yeah, like uh, the manuscripts and, mm. and the, stuff. The yeah. Institute has a, there are the people who work with manuscripts and there's the Place Name Institute and there's uh, the uh, dictionary and um, they've all been spread out over the mm. city. And with this building, they'll get to be in the same place and uh, be easier to work across those. It's all Icelandic studies, so there shouldn't be boundaries between uh, the people who work with manuscripts and the people who work on the dictionary. Mm. And it'll be just a huge leap to be able to go down the hall and knock on the door and say, hey, I need to know about this word. Mm -hmm. I'm in a manuscript, but you're in dictionary, and I need to know about this word. And it's like you said, yeah, it must have been at some point lack of uh, will but which is also a bit surprising because uh, in the past few years there has been a lot of talk about uh, how important it is to preserve the language so we don't uh, lose it. So, yeah, I mean, it's a very, um, yeah, it's good news that it, finally it seems like uh, they're on track again and also important. Mm -hmm. I think it is important and not just when you hear about people interested in preserving the language 
it sounds very inward turning and maybe on a bad day nationalistic, but that's really not what this building and this institute is about because some of why the building is important is that that's where visiting scholars from all over the world come to study this stuff because it's interesting to people and important to people all over the world. So it's really one of the most international places on the island, I think. And it's this lovely, weird environment where you walk into the coffee room and find yourself in a deep conversation with people from Japan and Italy and the United States. And the whole conversation is happening in Icelandic with all these lovely accents. Uh, and it's tremendous. And I never see that covered, the, the way that it's so international. Uh, sometimes I see it sort of poo-pooed as, oh, this is inward turning. But it's not. It's hugely international. Mm. That's a very good point. There's a um, related center that's already open for world languages. Is that right? The Husvigdisar is. Yeah, Verult. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's. Uh, What's the relationship between those two institutions? I'm. I'm not sure. But they're they're separate uh, institutes. They have different histories. Uh, yeah. And there, apparently there are two different institutes uh, operating in Verult. There's, uh, yeah, but they do work together, but there's, uh, yeah, two different. This I learned when I worked there. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I, I have to say I'm slightly confused by that myself. Yeah. So they're not going to compete with each other. That would be the wrong word to use, surely. I don't think they really have any overlap. Um, yeah. The uh, Verult is kind of about everything but Icelandic is my understanding. Mm-hmm. And, um, Teaching of all the other languages mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the university offers. And, uh, yeah, like cultural language studies, I think, yeah. Final question on this. Does it send any kind of message or uh, um, significance, the fact that one was finished years before the other and they were kind of a joint project to start with? I think it's just a matter of funding. Yeah. It's I think it's offended some people rightly or wrongly. I, I don't know what the um the actual reasons that one has been slowed down uh, whether it's funding or not, but um it's uh uh it's made some people pretty crabby to be waiting on really um much needed new uh housing to get this work done in I think it is important work. Yeah, for Verald Hus Vitisar, that I mean, you had Vitis Vimbodotir, former president. Uh, she is kind of the face of that project, and I think that secured a lot of <laughs> funding. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Well, former president, mm-hmm. she would probably. Okay, uh, should we move on to something else? Sure. Yeah, I mean, if, uh, like you said. Um, some uh, for mid July, it has been <laughs> quite a lot of um, yeah, good news and uh, like re- real news. <laughs> mm, no cucumbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a very frisky cucumbers. <laughs> but uh, related to this, just uh, one thing that really interested me was um, we joined a cultural safari walk, which was last on Thursday. Week. I think. Yeah. yeah. So um, our our reporter went and joined, and it got me thinking. Um, I mean, it's so it's like a cultural walk, 
around the city in six different languages. Um, I think that's something we could do more of, you know, the cultural world opening up to people who don't understand Icelandic. I don't think that, um, I mean, maybe I'm, it's not covered that much, but I mean, this was the 11th time, I think, mm-hmm. that this happened. And a lot of people showed up. It was really, yeah, interesting. That sounds great. Yeah. And I, I mean, it would be also interesting just for me to go and hear, I mean, if I understand any of the other languages. I mean, it was there was English, of course, there was Spanish, Arabic, Lithuanian, I think. Mm. I mean, it's just, yeah, it just fascinated me. Mm. <laughs> and how much interest uh, seems to be in it. And it wasn't aimed at tourists. No. It was aimed at people that live here, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I think it's the library, Borkar uh, Bogasat, and they, they are really doing a good job in this field. What would the, what would you say some of the differences are between the approach for uh, introducing the culture and history of Reykjavik to people that already live here uh, compared to tourists? Was it noticeable? Yeah, yeah, probably. I think maybe if you have people who live here and have lived here for a while, you maybe assume that they know a, a more of the basics. And I think it's... Yeah, probably catered a bit different, but I'm not, I'm not sure though how, how that because I mean I've never been on anything like mm. this, mm. not in Icelandic or as so maybe that's something. I mean, to be a tourist in your own country, it's something I I definitely can could do more of, because when I had people visiting here, my friends from um, from abroad, I realized maybe I didn't know too much about. Icelandic history myself because I'm busy learning about other countries' mm. history. So yeah, that's that sounds like a great thing, and that it it sort of is in the same stream maybe with the way that now there's a gay history walk, um, which is just another kind of history that you can't say it's not Icelandic. It happened in Iceland, but it's not been the history that uh, has been centered. And so how great also to have histories that have to do, that are, they're Icelandic, happened in Iceland, uh, but they have to do with other languages and have to do with people who have not been the center of the story up until now. That's mm. great. I need to know more about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is interesting. Great. Uh, hopefully there'll be a, um, a 12th time coming up yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, where is a natural place to head off from there? Probably nowhere. <laughs> yeah, probably no natural, but maybe we could um, uh, move on to the E. coli. Yeah, it has been the biggest story of the week, yeah. I think, and, and rightly so. Um, we're talking yeah. about what, 17 children now, mm-hmm. pretty sick, including one in the US. Exactly, um, yeah. Who was a tourist here. Mm-hmm. How does this happen? That's Easily, good, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> good question, because it seems like um, they're having a hard time to pinpoint exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Like, I've heard there there have been a lot of different stories going around. So, I think it's just um, important to not get ahead of ourselves and mm-hmm. listen to what the yeah specialists say, and they have been really, I think, thoroughly trying to figure out what happened. I mean, I think they they said they have uh, <clears throat> established that it 
it must be related to the ice cream. Because that was the one thing all the kids had in common. They all had the ice cream, except for one who um, got infected by uh, a brother or sister. Uh, I mean, right. uh, by yeah. So I think, but how it got into the ice cream is still a mystery, I think. Mm. Well, I believe there's always a risk of getting waste products into the milk in a certain small amount. And if it's all processed on, on, on site at home, yeah, I, I can see the risk. Yeah. Some of what's so lovely about lots of Icelandic things is they're very small scale. Um, and it's very noticeable you roll up to a farm that is both the cows doing cow things um, and... Um, serving dairy products that are right from those cows and it's it's so um it it looks like uh it's well everything is just very close to all the other things mm. that we could see you know there would be a contamination risk there always is but Iceland does have some pretty strong laws in place about food safety and processing um stronger than a lot of countries i believe you know you're not allowed to cook food at home and then sell it mm-hmm. that sort of thing and you have to have a, a <coughs> license for this and that and i think is it illegal to sell unpasteurized milk I'm not sure. i don't know mm. yeah. all the cheese is certainly from pasteurized sources oh yeah yeah you're right i think the laws are pretty strict compared to maybe many other countries but and this this is not the only place in Iceland that has this kind of um, arrangement. Mm-hmm. You have the animals and food, and it's, a tra- it it's an attractor, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, people like it. Yeah. yeah, I've been there myself. It's really nice. And <clears throat> but yeah, I'm not sure what exactly happened. I mean, people have been asking like, oh, is it just maybe the kids from the city can't handle the bacteria? <laughs> you know, in <laughs> but um, I don't think that's the <laughs> that's the issue there. But yeah, I mean, of course, at the same time, it's um, it's also, I mean, it is serious. A lot mm. of children were very ill mm. in the hospital, and I think there was at least one child that, I mean, it was thirty percent chance of um, dam- a liver damage, a kidney damage. Sorry. Yeah. So. No, it can be very serious, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it effect, particularly affects children, um, I believe, because adults have got antibodies or, or they've built up some some level of immunity to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but children don't, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, regardless, I think we it's important to try and yeah, pinpoint this and see how we can uh, stop it from happening again. Yeah, and not, not make assumptions that kick off some sort of moral panic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's um, the risk. Yeah, that's the risk. Mm. I mean, people have been eating ice cream produced on the farms for years in mm-hmm. multiple places, so we shouldn't overreact. Yeah. But probably there are lessons to be learned as well. Exactly. Mm. Okay. Anything else to add on that? <laughs> I'm still going to eat ice cream and pet cows. Absolutely. Yeah, same. And <laughs> get well soon to the children affected. Absolutely. Apparently they will all make a full recovery. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Um... There's the Philippines story. I think that's also been quite big this week mm. and slightly surreal. <laughs> also related to 
<clears throat> ice cream. I think uh, <laughs> the president Duterte said that's all we do in Iceland. It, he I said th- that was a translation. Error, <laughs> yeah, he said ice, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. said ice. And everyone's like ice. Yeah, I'll be ice cream. Ice and uh, yeah, no, we don't know if it's apparently we don't know if it's night or day, and we're just off here, ignorant, mm. eating ice. It sounds like. 17th century descriptions of Iceland made by people in southern Europe. Yeah, I th- I actually thought this yeah was over. <laughs> I thought most people, especially in the, those kind of uh, positions, would know a bit more. But yeah. he's just lashing out because he's angry. But yeah, I, I my understanding of it is that in the Philippines he is surprisingly popular and. That people like what he's been doing against organized crime and drug cartels, which is great. But allegedly thousands of people have died in this. So mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see that it's wrong that Iceland called for a um, human rights review. But there has been such a strong backlash, not just from the president, um, from the foreign minister, the ambassador and others in the government. There, they, they say Iceland should stop interfering in domestic policies And crucially, that by pushing this through or getting this passed, they are helping the drugs trade. What do you think of that? I think that's a bit of a a stretch because, yeah, you can can if you just stop and look and look at the actual claim, like what is it that Iceland was proposing? And it's just an investigation, am I right? And that seems the the idea that that is somehow unacceptable is really shocking Mm -hmm. and disturbing. And that's based on repeated reports from um, different organizations, people, about the the situation and what's happening. But, I mean, yeah, so uh, an investigation maybe shouldn't be too much to ask. Well, I think in, in United Nations terms... Asking a country to open up and accept international uh, observers in, it is quite stern, actually. They, that's that's quite big speak from the UN. Um, but sometimes I also think that the louder the protest, the more it's necessary. <laughs> you know, if they were like, okay, yeah, sure, then that would be it. But they're so angry that maybe yeah. that proves how much it's needed. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I yeah, I get what you mean. And apparently, like you said, there's, um, I mean, I talked to the <coughs> consulate here in Iceland last week when this was all happening, and she um, declined to comment on the issue on record, but she told me that there is mixed emotions, because I, mean, I was interest, interested to hear what, because um, there's a large um, community in Iceland of uh, uh, people from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So I was interested to try and hear what their uh, opinion about this is. Mm. And apparently it's mixed. Mm. Some people are, yeah, they agree with, and they're happy about this, And but some are very angry, like the reactions we have been hearing from the government. Mm. So, yeah, that's interesting also. I mean, and it's important to try and look at all, all sides. On a related note, what does this mean for Icelandic 
influence in the United Nations Human Rights Council. This is the first proposal that Iceland has put forward that's been passed by the 40-odd members of the council. Um, it's gained a lot of international attention, both positive and negative. Um, what does this mean going forward? Is it, it's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, I think so. I mean, at least it um, has gotten a lot of attention, but we don't have that much time left at the council. It's only um, throughout this year. And from my understanding, we're not going to try and uh, keep the seat for now. Mm. But we'll see. Why would that be? Is it expensive? Yeah, it's expensive, I think, to run. Mm. I mean, this uh, kind of opened up when uh, the U.S. decided to withdraw from the council. So we decided to, yeah, go after that seat. And mm. I think that was, um, yeah, way less, you know, expensive than actually running and campaigning for a seat in the council. Mm. And but it wasn't a full term either, was it? No, just uh, this year. And then, I mean, I asked both... Um, Gullo Thor foreign, the foreign minister and Katrin Jakobsdottir, prime minister, if we should, if this is something we should try to pursue to uh, keep this seat in the council. And they were both, my understanding is that we're not going to do it immediately, but we're open for doing it in the future again. That's interesting. It, it, I was pleased to hear that this was um, accepted, uh, not just because I'm concerned about what is going on in the Philippines, but because it shows that other nations are listening to something that Iceland has said. Um, and I think that's something that small nations can do is ask hard questions uh, if people are listening. And it, in this case, people were listening. Mm. I mean, if it was the US or China or Russia or any of the other big countries that put this very proposal forward, I can see the backlash could have been even harder. You know, the kind of the cause of hypocrisy would have been much worse than if it's from a small um, demilitarized country like Iceland. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Even though we're small, we can have some effect. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, where should we move to next? There's the... I mean, it was a very small story about the, the asphalt guys. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> but it, it was, was, yeah. People talked about it a lot, didn't a they? A lot, yeah. And it was interesting. I don't know mm. if you saw the. I did. Yeah. I my did. colleague, Hugger Holm, I, actually, that was a great <laughs> TV. <laughs> that was a good story on TV. He went there and actually talked to people who mm -hmm. were, um, yeah, said yes to their services. And then it was so obvious how bad the work was. Like this wouldn't last. It was like cake topping. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, then they ran into them in, on the, in the gas station. Just, yeah, by accident or coincidence. But they, of course, declined to comment. But, yeah, it was... When I saw this on the news, um, I was sitting next to a friend and I just started pointing at the TV and saying, I know this scam, because I know this scam. This is well known internationally. Uh, and if you tap into your search engine, asphalt scam, it's all over the place. So this uh, is almost um, uh, 
traditional, um, and it's finally come here. It's really open. I'd never heard of it until last week. It's but, yeah. many cases in the UK, many cases all across the United States. Um, it's it's a known technique. Mm. So no one ever has. So just word to the wise: no one ever has spare asphalt <laughs> that they need to offload somewhere at a cut price. It's as the kids say, not a thing. Uh, how is it in the, the UK and US? Is it also like a state-owned company that just takes care of all this? Uh, in the States, it depends on whether it's a private road. Okay. Uh, and if it's a public road, then it's city or state um, uh, control of it, unless it's a federal highway, in which case it's the federal government, and it's complicated. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you can feel it when you cross a state line and suddenly you hit a million potholes and you know that their tax system is different. Okay. Yeah. In the UK, the system is the same as here, but they use private companies okay. to do it. Because here it would just be very given. Mm -hmm. So, like, the guy who was... Uh, who said yes to this <laughs> service. He was, when they tried to bill him, he was like, oh, you should just talk to Vegagerðin. Mm -hmm. They take care of this. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I have a strange feeling that this won't be coming up again because the expense and effort that goes to sending two or more British lorries, trucks, to Iceland with crews just to see whether or not people would like the spare asphalt... I mean, they can't have made any money from it, can they? Like, profit-wise? That's the thing. I don't... Yeah. I can't imagine that they did. This is not a scam that is well-suited to Icelandic conditions. I think it will die out on its own. Hmm. I mean, apparently they've gone already. Um, yeah. When such so. a media storm happens, they're not going to get any more custom. I think basically everyone in Iceland now knows about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's difficult for them to keep it up. Indeed. Luckily. Luckily. Yeah. So um, next time you need your driveway or your private road done, don't wait for them to come to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, we've got just a minute or two left. Maybe we could have a quick couple of words about the... Can you... Is it possible to have a quick couple of words about the Huawei thing? Or is that <laughs> going to go on for half an hour? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um Two different teams are trying to restart Huawei. And it all came out this week, three or more months after the company went down. Uh, is, is it coincidence or is, you know, the, the timing of that? Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? It is a bit. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a co coincidence or if, if, if there's any significance to this timing. But I think the first one... You know, the We Are Back air. I love that. Wab air. Wab air. Kind of sounds like a joke. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I mean, and We Are Back. And then I know Skule Moinsen, former CEO and owner of Wow Air, he said he has nothing to do with this. Mm. So. But there were some credible names. Yeah. On there. Um, there were, but... Yeah, I'm not too sure if how serious that was. Mm. The other one, though, sorry. I think on. it's very Icelandic to not be totally sure whether something is joking. I feel like I have that experience a lot. Mm. Yeah. 
uh, the name they said it was just a working title yeah, and it could that's change. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And then the other one, an American group, somewhat also shrouded in slight mystery, has come in and they've bought all of the flight operations mm-hmm. um, parts of the old company. And there's only one reason to do that, surely. Mm-hmm. Going to try and restart it. Exactly. I mean, I hope someone does. It's always good to have a bit of uh, competition. A bit of competition, exactly. Mm. But I mean, I'm of course, surprised. there is more competition now. There, there are a lot of airlines flying to and from flying Iceland. It's true. Yeah, but still, it's not the same kind of. No, it's not. And we were told back in April that the foreign airlines would probably increase their provision a lot to make up for WOW, and they just haven't. So. Yeah. It is more expensive now than it was. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there we go. All good things must come to an end. And the same is true of the week in Iceland. Uh, the programme will return to roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, to the Roof app, and as a podcast, including on Spotify, next Monday afternoon, the 22nd of July. For now, it's thanks to my guests, Meryl Kaplan and Olaf Ragnarsdottir. We like to finish the show with the number one song on the Raustver chart, and this week that's Tato Magnusson and Hildur with the song Monika. And in case you're wondering, yes, it is the same song as last week, but it was number two then. <laughs> Bye for now. Yeah.